You're listening to C3 Church Vancouver Podcast. We know you'll be blessed by this message. through the door and as I walked up from the coffee shop, all we do is drink coffee, as I walked up from the coffee shop, uh, you know, to see just the, the Crosstown Church sign and just to see the building and to have heard about it, to look at the little book that you found under the platform that uh, came from Ern Baxter and Ern Baxter came and lived in our home for a couple of days and preached in our church and so we knew him, uh, amazing, amazing stories and just to listen to the threads of our journey and to see what God is doing and you know you don't have to have a prophetic word to know that God is doing something that God is here that there's a there's a a divine appointment that God has given you for what he wants to do and it's not a matter of size it's a matter of just knowing that you know that you know that you know that you're in the river of God and uh, wherever the river is wherever it flows the Bible says it's teeming with life and uh I often say about our own church, our church isn't a big church compared to lots of churches around our area. It's not the size, it's the impact you make in the community around you that's important. And I think that God has got you here to make an impact in this community. So God bless you. It's just an incredible joy to be here. Now, I haven't got a a lot of time and that's a good thing for you, I can tell you that. so I want to move on really quickly, but I want to do make a, a couple of riders at the start. First of all, I'm JC, that's Jesus Christ. I'm not him, but you know what I mean. I'm not PC, uh, and uh, I know political correct. I, I'm not politically correct, okay? I get myself into hot water all the time. My kids say, Dad, you can't say that. I do. And so if I say something that offends you, um, please uh, just... Remember, I'm JC, not PC, okay? And I probably will say something to offend somebody or all of you at some stage throughout what I say. The other thing... Thanks, Gray. Stop talking. (laughs) The other thing that I need to say is that there's some things that I might say that you don't gel with. Uh, If you came to our house and had a meal with us, my wife is the most incredible cook, and I mean it, she is incredible. Uh, I love everything she eats because she just makes the food for me. But if you came to our place, I'd say to you, look, if there's something you don't like, just leave it on the side of your plate and I'll eat it. (laughs) Okay, so if I say something to you that you don't like, don't shoot me, don't get upset at me, don't let your eyes roll back. Uh, Just leave it on the side of your plate and I'll eat it. (laughs) Okay, because I like it, obviously. Okay, so can we have that first scripture, John 10.10? No, go back. There must be a first slide. Go back one slide. No, Graham, you didn't do it. There you go. Okay. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it to the full. That's my passion. You know, when Pastor Hal in 1982 asked me to join the ministry team of Life Ministry Centre, I said, no problems. Uh, I, I, I didn't want to be a pastor. I didn't want to preach. I didn't want to even stand in front of people. In fact, I don't like standing in front of people. I don't like talking to people much. Uh, Give me an office, give me a telephone, give me a window, and don't bring me a door. I don't want people coming in and annoying me. Okay, and I'll do my job. And that's what I said to him. You know, we were in business, and I I said, yeah, look, I'll come. Chris and I will come across and, and work with you. But that's what I want to do. And the first week, he puts me up on the platform and asks me to do something. 
And I realised over time that this is the passion. This is the thing that drives me. John 10, 10. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. When I see people being robbed, that just gets me so cross. Because that's not what Jesus did for them. He wants them to have life and have it to the full. And so today, that's my passion for what I share with you. God wants you to have life and he wants you to have it to the full. He wants you to live in life abundantly. First life in that scripture, obviously, is eternal life. The second life is life here on earth abundantly. And so if you're being robbed, if you're not enjoying life to the full, if there's something not going on in your life right now, then God wants you to have life and have it to the full. And that's what it's all about. So let's pray. Father, I pray that you would overshadow this time. And Lord, as we worshipped, as I walked into this building, I just sensed your presence. I just knew that you were here. And Lord God, your word says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So we know there's liberty here already. Lord God, as we heard from, uh, I don't remember her name, but the lady who spoke for the tithing, Lord God, about that provision. We know that you've already provided not just money, Lord God, not just food. You provided everything for us because you love us. And so, Lord God, I pray this morning that uh, we would go out of this place having had a great time in you, having enjoyed great fellowship as we have come together. Lord God, having great time around the food that we're going to enjoy. But Lord God, being able to go home and to, to regurgitate, to, to muse on the word that you placed in my heart to share today. And that, Lord God, that it would continue to continue to continue to grow in our lives as we apply it. So, Lord, I just pray that your grace would be upon me, that, Father, that you would interpret my accent, that people would hear, that you would give us the ability of understanding that this is your word and that your word is truth and your truth sets us free. So, Father, have your way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you'll see, man alive, I knew this was going to happen. Don't you love it? Now you've got to look at this. Hello. Now, I don't jump around much. I'm not, you know, a C3 diving Pentecostal pastor. I'm just a straight, boring old man. So just hang loose with me, okay? I want to talk about the battle of the mind. You can see it up there. It's not going to be new to most of you, but let's start by making certain that we're on the same page. And remember, if you don't like something I say, leave it on the side. I'm going to eat it later. And if I teach you any heresy, then I'm sure Gray or Patty or someone will come up and fix it up later, Okay. So let's start with some basic stuff. As Christians, we are at war and we do have an enemy. You know, Satan's greatest trick across all of everything he's been doing is making it sound bad to talk about him. In fact, in America, once I went to church there and I was preaching and I said, what the hell? And man alive, I could have shot a bomb through the place. I, you know, Satan is so clever that he's even now the place where he lives, a bad word to say. Uh, you know, that's just crazy. You know, Jesus spoke a lot about Satan. The Bible has a lot about the, our enemy, and we need to know that we are war. And so my mantra always comes through Pastor Oxley is, what does the Bible say? You need to go to the Word of God, and we will do a lot of that today. Ephesians 6.12, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You're wrestling somebody, you're at war with them. 2 Timothy 2, 3-4, endure, endure hardship as a good soldier. Now, soldier war fighting okay uh, this charge i commit you to 1 timothy 1:18 son timothy according to the prophecies previously made can see that you that by them you may wage a good warfare see 
We are at war, but we might be at war, but our warfare is from a place of victory. And if you don't believe that, go to the end of the book. The end of the book tells us that we win. You know, we win. It's a great place. But Scripture also throughout the book tells us this, 1 John 4. You are of God, little children, and you have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. These, these scriptures are scriptures, and you'll hear it later as I continue to talk. They, they're just part of my psyche. They're part of my brain. They live up here because these are the things that I had to quote and continue to quote and continue to quote to start to learn to walk in victory. Luke 10, 19, I love this scripture. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall hurt you. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, look, I'm going to stop praying because every time I pray, something goes bad. You know, I'm, not going to, I'm going to stop fighting the enemy. I'm going to stop sticking that stick down that ant's hole because every time I do it, they come and bite me. Well, the Bible says that nothing in any way shall harm us. Nothing. In any way shall harm us. I wouldn't like to tell you how many times we have prayed for people and uh, we've been threatened, our kids have been threatened. Uh, things have happened that the enemy has used to try and stop us from achieving and doing what God has told us to do. And it's this scripture. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. I've even written the name Satan on people's shoes when they come into my office for counselling so that when they walk out, they're stamping on Satan just to get into their head, just so that they know that they have victory. Because if you don't know that you've got victory, then you're not going to walk in victory. And nothing in any way shall harm you. And so as Christians, we've been given armour, we've been given weapons, and you don't get armour, you don't get weapons if you're not at war. So, hey guys, why don't you all stand up? Now you're going to love me because I make everybody look like a fool. Great, come and take a good photo because you're going to see some really foolish photos. Okay, now, this is the armour of God, real quick, because you've got to know your armour. This is the armour of God by Graham, okay? Uh, I, I want to put my mic down. <laughs> helmet of salvation. Come on, everybody, put your helmet on. Now, if you don't do it, you've got to come up here. Helmet of salvation. Don't they look stupid? They do, yeah. Helmet of salvation, your helmet covers your mind. Today we're talking about the battleground of the enemy is the mind. The first place that the enemy will always attack you. That's great. Thank you. The first place that the enemy will always attack you is going to be your head, your thoughts. That's what we're talking about today. Okay, if you can't get your head, then you'll go for your heart. Breastplate of righteousness. Come on, everybody. Okay, it covers your heart. You know, you can be in hospital and you can be lying in hospital and they can keep you, they can keep you alive by pumping stuff through you and you can be brain dead. If he can't make you brain dead, then he'll try and get your heart because the Bible says his life is in the blood. Life is in the blood and the heart pumps blood. So if he can't get your head, he'll get your heart. He'll tell you you're not worthy. First thing he'll do is helmet of salvation. He'll tell you you're not saved. You're not good enough. You're not saved. You're not, that's a whole lot of lies. Now it's, you're not worthy. You're not good enough. You're dirty. And then, Belt of truth. Now, we all know what belts do. Come on. Ladies, you haven't got a belt. Just pretend. Okay. Belts hold up your pants. They do. You know, I can't remember, 1960-something, don't look that old, but 1960-something, the Beatles came to Australia and we 
didn't have a black and white telly, but somebody did, and we were watching it. And in this frosty black and white telly, we had a photo or a picture of the Beatles at the Southern Cross Hotel in Melbourne, which was the first multi-storey hotel in Melbourne when it was built. And we watched a copper come up, a copper, a policeman, a come up to this rowdy youth who obviously had been a bit intoxicated and all he wanted to do to stop him from running away and being stupid was he pulled his pants down. <laughs> so if Satan can't get your head and he can't get your heart, then he'll pull your pants down. Okay, he'll, 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 stop, he'll stop you from being able to walk. The belt of truth. You shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. The truth helps you to walk. Okay, so don't cut you. Come on, guys, you, you're not doing it. Okay, you've got to be with me. Helmet, heart, belt. If you can't get that, then the next place he goes is your feet. You can do that. You've got nothing to hold on to. That's all right. Okay. The feet of tr peace. The shoes shod with the feet of peace. Okay. Uh, you shall know the peace of God. The peace will set you free. The peace will guide you and lead you. Colossians 3, 15. I'll keep you in perfect peace. Etc. 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 So if you can't get your head and you can't get your heart and you can't pull your pants down, uh, he'll stop you from walking. He'll, he'll lead you astray. He will lead you off the path that God's got for you. Okay, and if you can't do that, then he gets you to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one, the shield of faith. Okay, head, heart, belt, feet, shield of faith. Now, the shield of faith is a shield that goes from the top of your head to the tip of your toes. And if you're not facing the enemy, you're going to get it in the back. So you've always got to be facing the enemy. Okay, and the fiery darts of the little one. Envy, jealousy, unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness, anger, hatred. One little dart, like a splinter. You get a splinter in your finger and you know you got it. It's like getting an ulcer in your mouth. It, it poisons slowly up. Get your heart. You've got to pull them out quickly. That's why the fiery dart is there. You've got to deal with them quickly. And then God gives us, obviously, our offensive stuff. Sword of the Spirit, Word of God, which we're talking about today. Speaking in tongues, I believe, is a part of that. You know, praying in the Spirit, the Bible says. Well done, guys. You can sit down. So... Scream from Ernest's. <laughs> Strawberry, chocolate chip, salted caramel. We had Ernest ice cream twice so far. It is so, so good. And tonight we're going to have it again. <laughs> and it's your turn to pay. Okay, so we've been given armour and weapons. We know what our armour is. Weapons, not carnal. We'll talk about that. Authority given by the name of Jesus. Uh, name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Blood of the word, Lord, you know, Revelation, I become by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Testimony is another one. Truth is another one. Praise is another one. Prayer is another one. Resistance, having done all, stand, resist the enemy and he shall flee. You know, we need to understand these things and I'm assuming that you understand them all. I'm assuming that you've been taught them all, but 
We need to know the weapons of God. We need to know how to fight the enemy. Jesus did defeat Satan. Another important scripture, 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God was made manifest, that's visible, was to undo, destroy, loosen, dissolve the works of the devil, what he has done. Jesus came. One of his jobs was to destroy the works of Satan. Now, victory is all because Christ was victorious over death and Satan. And the only way that Satan can win against us is to deceive. John 10.10 again. The thief comes only in order to steal, to kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and enjoy it to abundance. So have it to the full. It says, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary... The devil walks around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That word devour means to whittle away slowly. It means get a stick, get a pocket knife, and just whittle away slowly. He, just, he does it so, so gently until finally you're no more. You know, I think I've got time. Graham, have you got any money? Can I have your phone? Thanks. That's great. Thank you. And I'll have your iPad. Sure, why not? Thanks. No, thanks. Okay, what have I just done? Somebody? I've just taken his stuff. Now it's mine. It is, it's mine. You see, Christians are trusting. We're stupid. We believe everything. We, we have to love everybody. Yeah, because the Bible says so. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. The only way that Satan can take anything off us is to deceive us. You see, this stuff is Graham's or Fraser's or Flinch or Fletch or something, whatever his name is today, Brian. Uh, it's, it's his still. That's what the word steal means. You steal something. It doesn't belong to you. It still belongs to the person you stole it from. But you've got it. You've got it in your hand. And the enemy can only do that to us by deceiving us. You see, because I'm so handsome, because I'm so good-looking, because I'm so trustworthy, Graham thinks he's going to get this back. <laughs> and he just gave it to me because... Man, if Graham asked for it, he must want it. And, you know, it's, he's preaching and, man, it's, I've got to give it to him. He's not getting it. So he keeps playing with his phone when I'm preaching and that's quite offensive. <laughs> so, uh, Could you how to fix that? I don't know how to. <laughs> I don't want you to. The only way that Graham can get this back is by physically walking up here and getting it. Now, he can get it and take it back because it's his. Go for it. <laughs> but because he has authority and I can't hurt him, you right there? Good. Do you understand what I'm saying? Deceive. Yeah. You can only have something robbed from you if you are deceived into thinking that the enemy can take it from you. However, Satan does have authority in his realm. 
which is in God's kingdom. Think about that, which is in God's kingdom. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth is the Lord's. God owns the earth. He owns the heavens. He owns the galaxies. He owns everything out there. And Satan has a little bit of a domain on earth. So if I was drawing a drawing, I'd draw a picture of the world and I'd say, all of that's God's. And then there's Satan. And everybody that's not a Christian is under Satan's control. But when you become a Christian, you become under God's control. And then you have authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and overrule the work of the enemy. You see, we, we don't understand or we forget sometimes that we are in the power position, not Satan. 2 Corinthians 4 says that the God of this age, this age, this cosmos, this world order, and we can see the world order happening all around us, and it's not Trump. I like Trump. Okay, it's not Trump. Don't listen to all those news broadcasts. Don't read all the things on the bottom. They're all lies. It's fake news. It is. I can tell you it is. He tells us. Trump tells us fake news. It's not true. Okay. God of this world, this age. We can see it. It's happening here. It's happening at home. It's happening everywhere. You look at all the anti-God things that are happening. So they cannot see. Oh, sorry, blind is the eyes. It means that veil blinds the eyes so that they cannot see the light of the glorious gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Today we're peeling back the veil so that you can see the glory of Christ who is the image of God. 1 John 5, 19, we know positively that we are of God and the whole world around us is under the power of the evil one. Those out there that aren't saved are under the power of the evil one. We in here who are saved belong to God and are over the power of the evil one. So Satan's battleground is our minds. If Satan can control our thoughts, then he can control our lives. Remember, helmet of salvation. First place he goes, the battleground of the enemy. Proverbs 23, 7, as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. You know, in 1974, I just finished. Now, you wouldn't have thought that I was that old, would you? Say no. Thank you so much. I hope I look as good as that lady who's 70, but I don't want to be looking like a lady. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean. Hey, I'm not saying she had blackheads. Okay, move on. <laughs> See, that's why my wife comes with me. Behave. I've heard that before. I was just finished marine engineering apprenticeship and I was going to go to sea and join my first ship and God interrupted my plans. He, he gave me some new plans and uh, those new plans, part of it was to put me in full-time live-in Bible college. Uh, we called it boot camp. It was run by uh, Colonel Hal Oxley. He called himself a pastor but I don't think he had a pastoral bone in his body. It was just <laughs> boot camp, boot camp, boot camp. And it was run like boot camp, I can tell you. <laughs> Uh, it turned out, I thought I went to Bible college to get some understanding of the Bible, but it turned out that wasn't the truth. Uh, and I'm still trying to learn a little bit about that. But looking back, what I understand God did in my life was to give me a makeover. He gave me a makeover from the filth 
that I'd picked up as a young person and from working on the walls and doing all the things that I'd done. I grew up in a Christian family. I had a great mum and dad, uh, great heritage, but I'd allowed my life to be robbed by doing stupid things because of so many other things I haven't got time to tell you. But in boot camp, I met in Bible college. Is this not on tape, is it? In, in Bible college, uh, I was sitting under this man that I'd only first met, Pastor Hal, and, and, and I was just amazed by just the discipline of the guy. And he, he would tell us war stories about being in the Second World War and some of the things that he'd done to, to get across a point, which is, you know, what we do. We tell our stories. And uh, I remember sitting there listening to him and he told us a story about going to the dentist in uh, Darwin. Darwin is up the top of Australia and... At the time that it was the war, there was no anaesthetics because they were all being used for the war effort. And so he had a toothache and he says in this story that he had to go to the dentist. And so he went somewhere to the dentist rooms and they said, where's the dentist? Well, he's over in the pub. That's the, the drinking hole, whatever. And uh, you go over and you knock and get him up. And the guy obviously was a little drunk. Uh, and he says, go over, I'll be over when I finish my pot. A pot is a, a glass of beer. And he goes over and Hal's sitting in his chair and uh, he says, I've got a sore tooth. The guy knocks his tooth, you know, as dentists love doing it. And uh, he says, oh, I can't do anything about it. I'll just have to pull it out. Hal thinking he's going to get an injection to pull his tooth out. Well, we haven't got any anaesthetic, so just stand still. It's just in the mind, mate. It's just in the mind. And he pulls out this tooth. Now, I'm thinking, man, that's incredible, you know. It's in the mind. It's in the mind. It wasn't in the mind. It hurts still. <laughs> then he told us another story about Duntroon. Duntroon is our Royal Military College. And he says, you know, when you're playing rugby, and that's when Australia beats the All Blacks. Uh, um, it happened just, just this week. It happened this week. I think we beat you by one point. Yeah? It doesn't matter. First time's first time. We're on a winning streak. Okay, anyhow, in Duntroon, playing rugby, and he said, when you got hurt in rugby, in Duntroon, no one was allowed to come and get you off the field. You had to get yourself off the field yourself. Because uh, if you couldn't get yourself off the field, you're going to be trampled. So if you had a broken leg, broken head, broken arm, whatever it was, you had to get yourself off the field. And then the medicos would come and fix you up. Uh, and again, teaching them in Duntroon that it doesn't matter what the circumstances, what the situation, what you're going through, you have to win the battle for your mind. And so it didn't take me long to realise that Satan was robbing me by my stinking thinking. Now, I want you to get that word, stinking thinking. I want you to talk stinking thinking. I want you to be able to say to each other when you're talking to each other about their lives, is that stinking thinking? Uh, so that you'll hear and you'll understand. Okay, he was robbing me because of my stinking thinking. I was allowing him to feed my brain. I had blinding headaches from the day I went into Bible college to about 18 months after I came out of Bible college. I had blinding headaches. I woke up with them in the morning. I went to bed with them at night. Uh, looking back, I would say right now it was a demonic force trying to rob me and trying to stop me from receiving the word of God. But at that stage, I didn't know what it was. I went to the doctors, I had my brain examined. Well, I didn't find one, but I had it examined. There was nothing there. I knew that because there was nothing there, 
it had to be an enemy activity. So I set about winning the battle for my mind. I knew that if I was to walk in freedom that Christ had won for me, I had to learn how to control my mind. I had to control what I allowed through that filter. It's like a coffee pot that just filters through. And can I tell you, it worked. I am a secure man. Now, you might not think that, but I am. I am an incredibly secure man because I know that I know that I know that I'm a child of God and who I am in God. Yet back in 1975, I would not have been able to say that. I had a whole sheet of scriptures, and I still have them. In fact, I've distributed them all around the place. Uh, Every time God gave me a scripture, I'd write it down. And I have about four pages of very fine print scriptures, just a verse and just a couple of lines, just so that I can remember. It's my little mantra. And through Bible college, every day I'd get up, I'd read my scriptures, I'd pray read my scriptures, I would quote my scriptures, I'd quote what God had given me, knowing that his word would set me free. I loved God, but I was struggling to walk in victory, in the victory that Christ had won for me. Why? Because like so many, I didn't recognise that I was being deceived into believing the lies. I was deceived. Remember deceived, pinch. I was deceived into believing the lies about myself. Condemnation because of my past. Guilt, shame. You know, you can throw out all the words you had. I had them all. I'm not going to be good enough. Uh, I I can't do that. You know, you're never going to ever make anything of yourself. You've let your parents down. You've left your work and your things. You've done all this stuff. You know, it just went on and on and on. Let me read you a scripture, 2 Corinthians 11.3. But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. If you go back and you read the account of how Satan deceived Eve, it was all in her mind. It was all in her mind. He attacked her mind. Your thoughts will be led astray. Deceived. To cause to believe a lie. Imposing a false idea that causes helplessness and furthers the ageing process. That's what deceives means. We know that Satan is out to steal, to kill and destroy. We know that he's the father of lies. The Bible tells us. So many Christians are living with a major war taking place in their minds. And I know that there's people here today. This is not a message just because it's a message pulled out of the drawer. This is a message written for this church. I don't ever, ever, ever give plastic messages. They're always fresh bread. God put this on my heart for you. I don't know. It could be one person. I'm not into older calls. It could be one person. Uh, It doesn't worry me, but there's somebody here today and your mind is being robbed. And you are allowing your victory and your walk of freedom and your abundant life to be robbed because of what's happening up here. You have a major war. People have a major war. Inadequacy, fear, low self-esteem, inability to make decisions, impure thoughts. We go on and on and on. The only way to walk in victory is to win the battle for our minds. Satan knows that if he can control our minds, how much salvation... He can control our behaviour. And you watch it. You watch it with our kids. You watch it with our lives and what we've done and how we've done it. If he can control our thinking, our stinking thinking, then he controls the way we act. So a thought, 
Can we have that on the slide? There's a... Uh, there, great, thank you. So a thought, reap a deed. So a deed, reap an act. So an act, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a lifestyle. It all starts with a thought. So a thought, reap a deed. Uh, I'm happy for you to get the PowerPoint. If you, uh, Graham will uh, shoot you the copy of it. I'm happy for your notes to be, the notes be sent to you, so you do what you want with them. But it all starts with a thought. To walk in freedom, we need to expose the original thought that was planted in our minds, which then created the deed, which then created acts, which then became our habit pattern. God has already shown us how important our thoughts are. In Isaiah 55, 7, let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. You see, even one of our thoughts is that I've been so bad that God can't forgive me. That God will never place me back up there. Let the wicked forsake his way, the unrighteous man his thoughts. Our victory all starts with letting go of our thoughts. Matthew 6, 25, 31, 34. And I, I just put that in, 25, 31, 34, because when God repeats himself in such a short passage, he's trying to get a point. That's like my mum saying, Graham, Graham, Graham. You know, uh, three times, that's really bad. When it's a million times, that's even worse, I can tell you. Take no thought for your life, da-da-da-da. Take no thought saying, da-da-da-da-da. Therefore, take no thought for tomorrow, for tomorrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Thoughts, thoughts, thoughts. You know, how often we worry about the future because we're starting to think about the future. Yet God says, take no thought for tomorrow. Sufficient today is the evil thereof. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things shall be added unto you. Matthew 15, 19, from the heart comes evil thoughts. Murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, slander. Where does it come from? It comes from our thoughts. Evil thoughts. Romans 12, 1 to 2. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get rid of the stinking thinking. Start to bring it back into line with what the Word of God says. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Isaiah 26, 3, again, all of these scriptures in that victory sheet, these are the things that I would quote day after day after day. God will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on there. You know, what the world is looking for is peace. It's the peace of God that passes all understanding. It's the peace of God that rules in our hearts. It's the peace of God that leads and guides us. Peace and the word of God are the two railway tracks that we should always live our lives on. Once we've got those two things, we can sit in the train and don't have to worry where it's going. Take one track away and you've got a derailment. We need peace and we need the word. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the word of God. Peace, word, peace, word, peace, word. I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on me. Stayed on me, stayed on my word. Man, there's a lot of little things I'm saying. I hope you're getting them. Colossians 3.2, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Romans 8.6, the mind of a sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Romans 8 follows Romans 7. 
Romans 7 says, the things I do, I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. It's no more I that does it, but the sin principle lives within my flesh. Oh, wicked man that I am, who will set me free from the... You know? And then it goes on and says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those in Christ Jesus who walk after the Spirit, not after the flesh. And then this scripture. The mind of a sinful man is death. Why? Because we look at the things that we've done rather than looking at the things that Christ has done and setting our minds on those. If we set our minds on what Christ has done for us and start to walk in and believe in what Christ has done, we have a life of peace, the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of believers. We've done that before. So Satan uses everything at his disposal to capture our minds. What we read, what we watch, what we search, what we do on social media, it's, it's just, again, into us, into us, into us. People act out what they watch. That's why I think divorce, adultery, family breakdown and all of this stuff. You look at the media, you look at the, the things that are happening. In our country, same-sex marriage has just been legalised. And now it seems that every show you watch, every reality television you watch, you've got to have the gay couple. It's just filtering our brains all the time. You know, Modern Family. What an incredibly clever title, Modern Family. We want to be a modern family, don't we? But you look at the modern family, it's not a family. It's not a God's family. It's not an image of God's family. It's an image of the world's family. And then we start to act out that family because we want to be a modern family. How clever. We go to bed. Before we go to bed, we watch the news and we see six murders, five fires, 12 robberies, and then we say, have a good night's sleep. <laughs> what are we filling our brains with? What are we allowing to come through our stinking thinking? God wants us to consciously screen the thoughts that go into our minds. 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war, going war as the world does. The weapons, weapons again, we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. Look at this. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now, this is very, very, very deep. I know that you might have trouble understanding this. But what is a stronghold? That's, a, that's anything that has a stronghold on you. If you do that, oh, it's a stronghold. A stronghold is anything that has a stronghold on us. Casting down imaginations and anything that has a stronghold on you. Demolishing strongholds. How do you demolish strongholds? We demolish arguments and every pretension that sells itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captivity every thought. Ephesians 4, you were taught with regard to your former way. Put off the old, which has been corrupt by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness. Put off the old, renew the spirit of your mind, put on the new. Let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus, the Bible says. It says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. 
Ungodly negative thoughts are like seeds. If we allow them to take root and grow, then we will never walk in victory. Ungodly negative thoughts produce strongholds, and unless we pull them down, they will have a stronghold on us. So any thought contrary to the word of God should be a red light to us. Let me finish with a practical tool, and I'd like those things to be given out if you wouldn't mind, whoever's got them. I'm going to give you a a little card, and uh, if we could put that up, that's great, thank you. Let me tell you why you're getting these cards, and uh, you can have as many as you want, Uh, you can take them home, they're fantastic for putting on the fridge, they're fantastic for putting on your filing cabinet, having them at work, Uh, if you're allowed to put them up at work that is, well why not, put them up. Uh, it's your office space uh, whatever the case is these are a fantastic and men by the way they, they work fantastic just put them in your wallet next to the credit card especially your wife's credit card and uh, they won't work again uh, they are fantastic tools okay I had a lady in our church I'm going to use her name I'm not going to use her name let's call her Michelle um, Back in the late 80s, Chris and I started a church. Uh, we were part of the church that we were in, of course, but we started an outreach church or something we did. And uh, it was in an area that was pretty rough. And uh, family came to the Lord. And this family had been involved in many, many ugly things. And this, this girl, young girl, uh, Michelle we'll call her, got saved. And we uh, enrolled her in our Christian school. And she grew up probably for about five or six years in our Christian school. She was a stunning young lady and uh, a beautifully natured girl. And then one day I found out that she had disenrolled herself from the school and taken herself out. And I tried to chase up the parents and uh, the parents had moved and just as if I'd gone off the face of the planet and we never heard of them. And then we moved into our new building that we're in now uh, at 86. And I think it was 87, this young lady... Uh, walked into the foyer and I was just walking out and I saw her and she had matted hair and uh, she looked uh, obviously like some of the people that would see on the streets down there and uh, I said can I help you and she said you don't know me do you and I said no look I'm sorry I, I, I don't remember you she said my name is Michelle and then I could see the likeness she was just so so badly beaten up in regard to the world And she said, I had a dream last night and I saw your face. Now, I would have thought that was a nightmare, but (laughs) she said it was a dream. And uh, Gee, I like the way you laugh. That's fantastic. No one laughs in our church at me anymore. I'm going to come here all the time. Uh, And uh, she said, I knew that if I didn't come and see you that I wouldn't be alive soon. And so she came into my office and you know, my heart went out to her, John 10, 10. You know, I saw a lady being robbed and uh, uh, she came in and over the next probably three or four months I counselled her and she would go home and come back and go home and come back. And, you know, she was changing but she wasn't changing. She wasn't breaking free and I was getting incredibly frustrated in myself that I couldn't help her. She was obviously desirous. She wanted to get free and I couldn't help her. Yet the Bible says I should have been able to. And so... Uh, she came in this Friday and I said, Michelle, I, I, I talk to you and you hear me and you write things down and you promise me you're going home to do it and then you come back next week and you haven't changed. Uh, am I doing something wrong or what's happening? And she says, well, Pastor, I, I, 
I, I go out of your office and I know exactly what I want to do, but by the time I get home, I have a whole lot of thoughts running through my mind and I can't distinguish where the thoughts are coming from or what they are. And I prayed with her and she went out and then during that next week, this picture came into my mind. Now, I'm a picture person. I'm a mechanical type person. I love pulling things apart. I need pictures. I need to know how something works. And God gave me this picture. Satan, Jesus, lies, fear, death, truth, love, life. And in your little card, you'll have John 10.10 down the bottom. The thief comes to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life. So let me just quickly run through it, how it works. Because I want you to know that you can use this with anybody. You can use it with anything. But it will help you today. The lies and the truth. We know that Jesus, uh, Satan is the father of lies, so you've got to work the two sides here. You belong to your father, the devil. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar, he is the father of lies. So any lie is not from God, it's from Satan. But then the truth side, you shall know the truth. Who is the truth? Jesus is the truth. The truth sets us free, the Bible says. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Uh, sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And so... We have lies and truth. Okay, let's go to fear and love. And then uh, 1 John 4, 18, there's no fear in love. Jesus, God is perfect love. Perfect love drives out all fear. And then we often don't read it, but it's there. Fear has to do with punishment. If you were driving down the street right now and you saw a policeman next to you, what would you immediately do? I'll tell you what you'll do. You'd immediately look at your speedo to see if you were speeding. And you would take your foot off the accelerator a little bit. Why? Because you don't want to get a ticket. Fear has to do with punishment. Fear has to do with punishment. As soon as you look down at the speedo and see yourself going at the right speed, you look across at the policeman. <laughs> and then he gets you because you've got an unroadworthy car or something like that, okay? Uh, look what Zephaniah says. The Lord has taken away your punishment. He has turned back your enemy. The Lord, the King of Israel, is with you. Never again will you fear any harm. When you know that there is no punishment, when you know that you know that you know that God loves you and you can't get into trouble, then Satan can't use fear to rob you. And I'll guarantee you, if any of you have got fear right now, you're in punishment. You're thinking punishment. You're thinking you're in trouble. Guaranteed. And then death and life. We've done the scripture. Uh, you know, John 10.10, 10, it's just such an easy scripture. And so let me tell you how to make it work for yourself. So with this picture in your mind, the first thing you do, knowing that the battleground of the enemy is your thought life, is you ask your mind or you ask yourself, does the thought you have bring forth life or death? Now, death not as in, okay, death as in, you know, dying, you know, it's robbing you, it's stealing from you. If the thought brings forth life, then Scripture says, finally, better, what sort of things are pure, what sort of things are just, da, 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 da. think on these things. You can think on those things because you know they bring forth life. But if it brings forth death, it's not from God. And ultimately, it will bring forth death. Ultimately, it will destroy you. Steal, kill, destroy. It's progressive. Steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. Now, if it's going to bring forth death, it's going to only be two things. It's only going to be a lie or it's going to be fear. And I'll guarantee you that. 
It's either going to be a lie or it's going to be fear. If it's a lie, then you walk yourself through the cross to the Bible, Jesus, Word of God, Word sets you free, and you find a passage of Scripture that counters the lie. Now you have a choice. Deuteronomy 30, 11 to 20, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life that you and your children might live. It's always a choice. We have a choice. You can continue to believe the lie and die, or you can believe the word of God and have life. Simple, isn't it? Victory scriptures. What I was doing in Bible college was this without me knowing it. You see, I gave this to Michelle and Michelle blossomed because all of a sudden she had something to determine and to understand what the thoughts were in her mind. She could filter her thoughts and say, now does it bring forth life or death? Death, not from God. Okay, is it fear or is it a lie? If it's a lie through the cross, what does the Bible say? She would do, I asked her to do this, she would write down the thought on a page. She would write down the question, life or death, next line. She would then say, life, think on this. Death, find a scripture. She would then go to the Bible and she would find scriptures. She would write down half a dozen scriptures sometimes. She was just so passionate about being set free. And then my choice is to believe the word of God. Now, she might have done that 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 times. She ripped up her book a couple of times. Satan hated that book so much. She'd start again writing it out. You see, it might not be instantaneous, but once we know the lie and we know the truth, we know the truth sets us free. And the other thing is, that Satan can't come through the cross. He cannot come over this side. He's over there. We're on this side. And so when you take yourself onto that side, you win. And then if it's fear, it's exactly the same thing. What is the punishment that I'm believing that I'm going to get? And then you go to Zephaniah. God has taken away all my punishment. You know, what's the worst that can happen? I can die, go to heaven. You know, that's the worst. I haven't got time to tell you that story, but it's just an amazing thing. So lies and fear. It's simple, yet it works. Why does it work? Because you're obeying God's word. You're casting down imaginations. You're bringing every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God into captivity and you're bringing every thought into the obedience of Christ. Last slide, please. Next one. It works for everything, by the way. Old, new. Past, future. Sin, forgiven. Old man, new man. Old creation, new creation. Unrighteous, righteous. This could be a rap song. Bound, free. Okay? It works for everything. It is so simple. Don't you reckon it's a great little picture? It is so, so simple. Yes, 
We're only going to walk in victory when we learn how to control our minds. This morning, I just believe that God wants us to have an older call, and I think I've run out of time. I'm so sorry. Uh, People who are having trouble controlling their thoughts, people who have guilt, condemnation or shame, these are the things that God gave me. People that know that you're being robbed and you're not enjoying life to the full. If you've got confusion, your mind is not on God. If you're in torment, you've got unforgiveness. If you're not enjoying life to the full, then you're being robbed in your mind. Guaranteed. I can write those things down for you. Those of you who identify with Romans 7, the things I do, I don't want to do, and the things I don't want to do, I do. It's no more I that does it, but the sin principle lives in my flesh. You, you want to live for Christ. You want to walk in Christ, but you find yourself being thwarted at every turn. God wants to set you free. And then out of the prayer meeting this morning, and thank you for praying the way you did out there, there's people here today and you've got doubts. You've just got doubts about yourself. Not good enough, not worthy, doubts. Just I, I don't want to add to it because that's all i got, doubts. I've learned from God long ago, don't add to it. Just doubts, the word is doubts. Now, I want the first one people to come out right now doubts if you've got doubts that came from out there and i want you to come out quickly and again it's not about the older call it's about saying to satan i'm stepping on the ground today i'm taking my ground back if you've got doubts come out uh, if you know that you've got lies in your brain if you know that you've been listening to lies in your brain about yourself come out uh, if you are having trouble with guilt or condemnation or shame come out if your past is robbing you from your future, come out. You know, there's somebody here today and there's something happened in your life recently and it, it still is something you identify with. God wants to set you free. It's not your identity anymore. God wants to set you free. Guys, I'm done. I don't do altar calls that well. Um, I'm done. Let me pray. Father, I just pray that you would have your way and that you would move by your spirit, Lord. I know that you want to do some work in lives, but that's up to you right now. So God, I just thank you for your word and I thank you that you want us to walk and to live in freedom. I pray that this word would not return to you void, but it would accomplish that which you purposed, just as your son went back to you accomplishing everything you purposed. God, have your way this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, join us online at c3b.ca.